reading or talking about chapter 7 and so this concerns Vaishnavism it said exoteric but I guess this is exoteric exoteric refers to things going on in the external world uh, how Srila Bhakti Siddhanta interacted externally and let's see is it six and seven? Seven and eight. After the now? Anyway, we'll just do this. If it sounds like a boring, <laughs> we'll, we'll do something else. After Sanyas. After Sanyas? No? Well, it might be too much to just uh, okay. Well, we'll just read eight, no, oh, six and seven. Oh, they're short. Yeah, there's some shlokas here too. I don't think anything about sannyasas there. Tell me if that sounds like we did it because I wasn't paying that close attention. So there's a discussion here over shruti and smriti and Shilabhakti Santa's understanding and relationship. Okay. So, it's accepted as axiomatic by almost all traditional Vedic scholars and affirmed by the Gaudiyas that the Shruti and Smritis are axiomatic. However, the Arya Samajis and a few others took the extreme stance of recognizing only Shruti and not Smriti. Not just the Arya Samajis, but it says here, like Arya Samajis. Who doesn't know what Arya Samajis are? Arya Samajis, they, this means. What? Yeah, well, yeah, Aryan. They, they think they're very advanced, but they also don't accept deities. They're very impersonal. Very impersonal. So I, they are the uh, extreme version of. Uh, they have temple but no altar and all this type of thing. Um, they stress the study of the Upanishads, <clears throat> which they venerate as the cream of Shruti. Uh, if it was not explained, Shruti means directly spoken, and the Smriti is something spoken about that. Uh, so while rejecting the Puranas as non-Vedic, so they reject the Puranas, means they also reject Bhagavatam. They think it's not impersonal enough. It's too much ecstasy in there, too much bliss. Uh, but in the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he had this uh, discussion with Prakashananda and other impersonals. They weren't even so extreme, because when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was lectured, they would uh, they would listen if he quoted these Puranas, the Puranas, like he quoted Kalisantara Upanishad, different uh, other Puranas, and he showed how Krishna is there. Especially when we read, it was mentioned the other day, the seventh chapter of Adilila, where uh, he was being accused of being sentimental. Because these sannyasis, they don't, are not supposed to perform any type of music 
and uh, they can chant mantras, but very silent. They don't. They study. They memorize. They know Sanskrit. It's very nice. So they were wondering because Mahaprabhu was very famous even amongst them. Because, well, we've heard about this Mahaprabhu, this Nimai, and he's a sannyasi, but we don't understand him because he's chanting with all these sentimental people. That they seem like ordinary people, but he's supposed to be a sannyasi. Sannyasi doesn't hang out with these people just chanting in the streets. And it's very strange. They couldn't understand. So <clears throat> it's a very important part of Chaitanya Charmita. I think it was mentioned here, or I just heard it recently again. While I was there, the Prabhupada insisted, he put out this book first, the seven chapter of Adi Lila, because it's such an important part of Chaitanya Tarkamrita. It defeats impersonalism. And there's a lot of nectar in there. <laughs> so much nectar. Okay, so. So Srila Bhakti Siddhanta had to confront this. It's not like all the impersonalists went away. No. <laughs> So Shri Bhaktisanta was very expert at confronting these persons. Um, <clears throat> so there was challenged. It says, in reply to such challenges, Srila Bhaktisanta highlighted the Gaudiya ap appreciation of the Upanishads and simultaneously upheld the Vedic status. It's not like we're all scholars like Srila Bhaktisanta. So, but we're very fortunate because we can read his purports. When we read Chaitanya Charitamrita, or some of us, if after we read Chaitanya Charitamrita, you can read Chaitanya Charitamrita for millions and millions and millions of years, but he has written the purports as, long, as well as Srila Bhakti Thakur. So all, you know, and then the verses themselves are so important. And Prabhupada is giving purports. And he's also, that he has written especially the purports in the <clears throat> Chaitanya Bhagavad. But Chaitanya Charitamrita is very strong philosophically. So after 60, 70 years still, you have trouble keeping up with all the arguments and all the so much knowledge there. Ocean, Vidya Bhagavata Avadi, the ocean of knowledge that we get in these books. So even if we study every day, 10 hours, 12 hours, a whole life, still you find that, wow. Well, we're going to read about that in the Bible. Okay, so this is some of the things here. Um, this is so, uh, I'm going I'm to jump now to this uh, exoteric matters. So Shilabhati Sananta was over six foot tall, which if you go to Bengal, not so many people are a little tall. Prams are tall. <laughs> not so sure either, but somehow it mentions that he was taller than average. His complexion was fair, his forehead broad. Normally, of course, we see photo of so many photos of Srila Bhaktisanta. And there's some photos you see when he's a boy with his father, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and sitting like this. And just by seeing the picture and having them look at you, you're benefited. Vaishnav uh, glance is so merciful that even in the photograph you can see the two of them and it's inconceivable how powerful it is. It's so much shakti there. And Chila Bhakti Siddhanta may be a little nine years old in one picture, ten years old. And looking out, very ecstatic experience to see the pictures. And 
even small. I was, uh, in modern terms, we would say he's a brainiac, you know, that we heard about it the last few days. He memorized Gita, and he could also speak on Gita and argue seven years old. So probably at six and five. Years, you know. um, okay, so <clears throat> he wore, it's not so important, but he's a revolutionary. Mosi Saru's you remember that Pakistan established sannyas. There was, uh, well, the Vaishnavas would become babas. They just put on a little loincloth for hundreds of years, like Sanatana and Rupa. But Pakistan Saraswati, seeing that these so many people, especially in Vrindavan and in Bengal, they're putting on little loincloth, but also not following strictly, smoking or keeping some girlfriends. Or so he wanted to do, resurrect this Varnashram to some degree. So he was criticized that why are you uh, making sannyasi? No, no one was officially sannyasi. South India they had sannyasi. Srila Bhakti Santa was so intelligent. He used to invite the South Indian sannyasis and pundits to come to Mayapur and discuss philosophy. He was not afraid that, oh, I may become like them. No. <laughs> you know, converted to becoming something. No, they're already also Vaishnavas, but not necessarily worshipping Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He didn't like smash them immediately, they're not impersonalists, but he would learn from them. So <clears throat> one of the things he took is they, the Sri Dandi Sanyas, and introduced it again. Um, okay, so, but this chapter is describing what he would look like. Um, he, he wore unassuming sannyas attire, a top and a bottom piece, non-stitched, well, non-stitched, but he also wore coats. He went in a car. I mean, the sannyasis weren't supposed to do that. So Rupa Goswami has already given hundreds of years ago that uh, yukta vairagya, engaging so many things in the service. So he's engaged all these things. He almost always wore his round spectacles. He would sit with his back erect. He wouldn't lean on anything. Just like I'm leaning here, but it's very staunch. We know that Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, when there was the Chattamasya, he would eat off the floor so many bites and then reduce every day. You're taking, you know, maybe 30 bites and then 29, 28, right? This is a very super austere, hardly anyone is doing like that. Uh, and then, <laughs> so you get down to like one bite or something. Um, off the floor. <laughs> um, his skin was so delicate, even the slightest touch would redden it. Of course, uh, uh, Bhakti Vikaswami was not witnessing this, but he interviewed direct disciples to have this book. He spent 20 years doing this book, 20 years of his life, working a lot of the time on this book. Um, he wore plain wooden sandals, um, but his feet were like soft as butter. Um, his chilak formed of sacred gopi chandan, we all wear that. Very straight, but he didn't use a mirror. He considered looking in a mirror to be like maya. So he put on... Okay. Um, <laughs> Alright, so... He did never want. He never wanted to be seen without chila. Always chila. 
After bathing, he would apply the tilak, and no one could see it. He would come out of the bath, shot, whatever, and he had it. Tilak. Of course, anyone who's been to India, even within the last, you know, 50, 60 years, what to speak of, then, you know, you bathe. You might have a pump or something. Usually we had uh, lota. You know. I remember no water running in the Calcutta temple. We had to take two lotas. <laughs> you pour one lota over your head, mix some, maybe some soap, and then another lota and finish. And to get water, we had to go down a tube well, maybe two, three blocks away from the temple. And sometimes there was no water running. <laughs> I, I can say that one time, Prabhupada, well, in those days in Calcutta, the toilet, we had to fill the toilet. It was a toilet, but it had to be the tank, open the top, pour the water. So my job when Prabhupada was there in 74 in September was to fill the tank so Prabhupada could use the toilet normally and just flush it. So one time, one night, I, there's two ways to go into Prabhupada's bathroom, from the back end and through his room. So if you go through, the, out of the bathroom, and don't go the back way, then you can see Prabhupada. So I thought, why am I going out the back? I'm going to go in through the front and get some darshan on Prabhupada. So I filled up the, the tank, and then I went out. I got some mean stares from some famous sannyasis. Why is this guy walking out this side? And, but as I walked, Keshava did this open. As I walked out, um, this just reminded me of this, but there was some discussion in the temple in those days because the milk, you have to be so careful, you know, they'll water down the milk. And, or it could be some buffalo milk mixed in or something. And I wasn't thinking about it, although we had discussion. So when I came out of the bathroom, probably was sitting with his one knee up, very casually, nighttime, and drinking a cup of milk. And he looked right at me and he said, the milk is good. <laughs> it's so funny. But uh, he, you know, probably knew. He knew his things. So uh, it's not like India has become, I mean, they try to become very advanced, but still there's problems, at least in the 70s. Still so, you know, it's austere if you're a sadhu. Now, if we hear about the hunter, which we're supposed to hear about today in the Bhagavatam. We're going to do that in a few seconds. He was very austere. And when Nardman converted him, I mean, he was only eating like so much he was getting, but he wouldn't take it. But the purports are more amazing, probably, writing Shilavaki's Antidotes. On special occasions, Shilavaki Sanatra dressed more opulently with leather shoes, that's what it says. Of course, they didn't make plastic shoes in those days and a plush, long coat, and a turban. There's pictures of, he's wearing a turban. There's one famous picture of Srila Bhakti Sananta, and I think he's in Mayapur, and there were some dignitaries, British dignitaries there, and uh, it says, God save the king. And you see he's walking with, with some followers, uh, some, and they're dressed, in, followers are dressed like in plain clothes, black, like suits or something long. It's very funny. This is God, the king, you know, and the Bhakti Siddhanta is right under the sign, so we know who the king is, you know. Not the king of England, no. It's someone else. 
Kilobakizante himself. Um, okay. Usually, only when dressing formally did he wear his wristwatch. So he had a watch, but he didn't use, use it, but just to... It's like Prabhupada, when sometimes he was interviewed um, by... There's a video, there's a video where it's recorded, you see it written, and he says, um, uh, why have you come? I mean, Prabhupada's talking about different ways to fly with Bhimana and special... <laughs> or... Uh, so they said, well, why have you come by airplane? He said, well, just to be one with you, probably. <laughs> so Bhaktisanta might wear his watch just to be one with him. Not everybody had a watch, but... Since it was customary to offer gifts of cloth to sadhus, Srila Saraswati Thakura mostly wore clothes given to him by devotees, of course. It's not like he went out shopping, you know, downtown. <laughs> Even when I was in Prabhupada's room in Calcutta at that time, he was saying how the British tried to introduce their factory cloth. And that's a whole long story, but you know, he said that every month there will be a miyagya. And um, even the servants, who you wouldn't think they won't have much money at all, they were servants, but Prabhupada said they would get almost new cloth. You might wear it once or twice over the month and then give it to the, the servants. So even they had, so they weren't interested in buying this British cloth. Prabhupada called it Manchester cloth. Because in Manchester, England, they made all this cloth, but the Indians were not, did not uh, much tendency, they didn't care for that cloth you know, at all. Um, um, daily activities. Although fully engaged in preaching, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati did not neglect the basic practices. He was simultaneously absorbed in cultivating and distributing Shuddha Bhakti and did not want a moment did not waste a moment in anything else. He rose early, typically two o'clock, or sometimes up to 3.30, if he had been up late. After bathing, doing all that, he chanted japa. And at 4.30, guess what? Mangalarti. Baba didn't invent this. I mean, from Srila Bhaktisiddhanta. Um, and if not otherwise, um, after the morning services, he usually dictated essays and book manuscripts to Vasudev, who would transcribe. When writing, uh, Mr. Namta Vasudev was a um, very, very super brainiac. Many things he could write very quickly, and he also knew slokas. Sometimes Srila Bhakti Siddhanta would only give part of a shloka and Nanta Vasudev would speak the rest of the, the verses. Uh, smart guy, as they say, but he got a little too smart later on. Um, when writing, Bhakti Santa Saraswati preferred a wooden table and chair and rather than sitting on the floor. After lunch, he dictated letters um, again before conducting Ishtagosti with his disciples. Ishtagosti, we take it as some sort of discussing temple problems or something, but actually in Chaitanya Ishtagoshti refers to discussing Krishna. Ishta refers to Krishna, Ishtagoshti. And but there's some practical problems there also that's brought up. Apparently this was going on almost every day. In the late afternoon he would take a stroll, I guess, like probably took a walk, 
In Puri, he would saunter up and down the beach, saunter. In Mayapur, on the road, in front of the Mat, he would walk. It's called Bhakti Siddhanta Road now. Um, in the Gaudiya Mat, along the balcony, inside the, there was a balcony, he would walk up and back. Sometimes throughout the compound. Still, the compound is there, very nice. It's kind of long. I mean, of course, we have three, four hundred acres, but they have maybe 10, 15, I don't know, but it's long. So you can walk there. It's quite a nice area. They have beautiful gardens. Um, okay. While walking, he would chant Japa or Shastriya verses. Uh, in other words, he would chant shlokas and like that. Mm. He would be accompanied by a few disciples or visitors and discuss, discuss Krishna or how to spread Krishna consciousness. In the evening, he sometimes attended an arti and delivered a lecture, or he met guests or senior disciples. Uh, at supper, at around nine, he would speak with visitors again and walk back and forth outside his room. He would retire about 11 o'clock. Okay, that's that. So, the shloka we're doing? Tanvaiya <laughs> Tanvai hyasad vritti bir akshi bir ye Parahritanta manasa paresha Atona pasyam purugaya nunam Yete padanyasa Okay, anybody wants to chant? Vai hyasad vitti virakshiri ye
ladies. Tom, lotus feet of the Lord, ride, certainly, he, for, asat, materialistic, viti b, by those who are influenced by external energy, akshi by the senses, yay, those, parahita, missing at a distance, antamanasa, of the internal mind, Paresha, O Supreme, Ato, therefore, no, never, Pashanti, can see, Urugaya, O great, Nunam, but, yea, those who, take your, Padanyasa, activities, Bilasa, transcendental enjoyment, Lakshya, those who see. Translation, O great Supreme Lord, offensive persons whose internal vision has been too affected by external materialistic activities cannot see your lotus feet, but they are seen by your pure devotees whose one and only aim is to transcendentally enjoy your activities. Purport, as stated in Bhagavad Gita 1861, the Lord is situated in everyone's heart. It is natural that one should be able to see the Lord at least within oneself, but that is not possible for those whose internal vision has been covered by external activities. The pure soul, which is symptomized by consciousness, can be easily perceived even by common man because consciousness is spread all over the body. The yoga system is recommended in Bhagavad Gita is to concentrate the mental activities internally and thus see the lotus feet of the Lord within oneself. So there's one verse uh, in reference to this that Prabhupada would quote many times. He didn't quote the whole verse. One time he sings it, and you can hear it on the bhajan. That, uh, what's the beginning of it? Uh, anyway, the third line, Yogino, huh? Yang Brahma Varunendra Rudra Actually, he quoted this verse to Yoko Ono. <laughs> and he's, I think we're referring to this verse, but not specifically thinking of Yoko Ono and John Lennon, but you can probably read it in that book. It has the Beatles on the cover and the chant. So he quoted that verse, and it's a whole long story. I'll never finish the book. 
<laughs> uh, okay, so Janavastita Dadgetyanimanasapasyam is referring to that person who is worshipped by the Upanishads. We're speaking of the Upanishads. Um, so Bhagavatam is explaining, yes, uh, that young Brahma Varuna Indra Rudharma Rutastan Vati Devyaistavai Vedai Sangopadakrama Panishadaya Ganti in Samala. Speaking of Vedas, the Sam Veda, it's glorifying Krishna. This is what Bhagavatam is saying. And the followers of the Upanishads, the Upanishads themselves, they're glorifying, especially it says the holy name. Rupa uh, Goswami has a verse like that, other verses. So these Upanishads, it's explained by Upanishad means to bring closer to Isha. Upa means bring you closer to Isha. Now those who are impersonalists, they won't go closer to Isha, but they'll stick to this impersonal. Still, they'll make some advancement by reading Upanishad. Uh, so, Sarva Upanishadi, Sarva Gavo, Dugdugopalanandana. Bhagavad Gita is the essence of Upanishad. Upanishadsu is also Upanishad, bringing us very close, because Krishna is speaking directly in Gita. So then this line that we're thinking of, Dhyanavastita, the yogis, the most advanced yogis, they're meditating, they're looking, Pashyanti, it says, this verse even has Pashyanti, that's why we can think of Pashyanti, young yogi, no, they want, they're seeing Krishna in the heart. That's explained throughout Bhagavatam. And what else does it say? Yasyantam navadu sora suraganatas my divine love. That person that the demigods are worshipping, Upanishads, Vedas, yogis, Yasyantam Navadu, he has no end, he's endless. Yasyantam Navadu, they don't know. Who doesn't know? Yasyantam Navadu, Sura Suragana, not only the demigods and devotees, but especially the demons, they'll never know the, the end. So those who are influenced by demoniac nature are being referred to here. They can't see the lotus feet. Um, of Krishna, many, many. In the beginning of the Bhakti uh, Rasamrita uh, Sindhu and Rupa Goswami is giving, you know, dozens of verses about this. Uh, the superiority of bhakti, bhakti, how uh, it's superior to other. Bhakti Amama Bhajanati. Only by bhakti can, Yoshite Chalanantaram, you can enter into understanding of Krishna only by this bhakti. Uh, <clears throat> Bhaktiya Bhagavatam Grahyam. By reading Bhagavatam, you'll understand Bhakti, you'll understand Krishna. Nirmat Saranam Satam. One becomes non envious, gives up false ego. These are all qualifications. But they naturally happen by reading Bhagavatam. Because Bhagavatam is so much nectar. What kind of dry ideas is speculating, speculating? Chiram Navindichinva. You can go on atapite deva padambuja prasadalation. If you get a prasadalation, a tiny bit of the mercy of Bhagavatam, or the Bhagavat, Mahabhagavat, like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, like Prabhupada, that we're re why are we glorifying such persons? Charya Vaishnava Seva, Nishtar Paichikeva. It is said that without the service of these Mahabhagavats, like Srila Bhakti Siddhanta, you won't get it. Evam, we want to become vigyan means we have self to have realized knowledge 
realized knowledge comes in association with the Mahabharata. That's what this purport will stress now. Um, okay. There are so many so-called yogis who have no concern with the Lord, but they're only concerned with consciousness, consciousness, which they accept as the final realization. Such realization of consciousness is taught by, in the Gita, by Gita, with only a few minutes. Prabhupada is referring to, especially second chapter. Uh, it gives, there's not much about directly, there is something, but mostly it's just consciousness. Uh, that the consciousness is uh, eternal, sanatana, a jolnitish young purano, mahanyate, hanyamani, cannot be, the living entity cannot be killed. So this part, some yogis actually, probably referring to yogis, they take, this is called Ardhakukutinaya, they take the part of the Bhagavad Gita they like, and Ardhakukuti, Kukuti is a hen, and so some foolish moron might cut the hen and think, well, this part of the hen gives me eggs, <laughs> so I'll cut this. I don't want to feed the hen, so I'll cut it in half. So this is called Nyaya. Nyaya means logic. This is the logic of half hen. So they'll take something out of Gita, and uh, just like they, they might only do the first six chapters because they like that, it's okay. Although, even at the end of the sixth chapter and other places, Yogi Nama Pistarvesham, Krishna says in the final verse in the sixth chapter, become a yogi, say like that. Verse 46 says, 46 or, a yogi is better than this, better than the karmi, better than a gani. So, okay. So they think, okay, I'm a yogi, I'm so great. No, Krishna says, uh, that's okay. But yogi nama Someone antaratma is mentioned here, antar. Someone who within sees me, that's uh, the best yogi. Yogi nama pisarvesham magatana antaratmana shadavan bhajate yomam samay yuktatamo. He's yuktatamo. He's uttama yogi. So that part they have to get. Krishna, he knew what these nonsense people will think. These impersonal yogis. He's knowing. Still now, Dantarashtra uh, Paramanot is within every atom and he's controlling every situation. So, uh, okay, the so-called yogis. Uh, whereas the so-called yogis take continuous years to realize it because of their offenses at the lotus feet. Sometimes Prabhupada would say, make a big point that Arjuna was taught the yoga system in the sixth chapter, but he says that I can't Yoyam Yoga Shvaya, there's the verses where he says <clears throat> that uh, this controlling the mind, whatever you've given me about yoga, you have to go to a holy place. Arjuna is a warrior, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go to a holy place? Of course, Arjuna represents everybody, especially in Kali Yuga. He's always appearing with Krishna. So he's hearing this message. He says, well, etasyahana pasyami. I can't see how to do this. Etasyahana pasyami. Chanchalatatstatimstra. Chanchalami mana Krishna. Chanchalami is flickering. My mind is always flickering. Arjuna wasn't flickering. He was so centered that when there was a contest or when Drona was examining his students, he asked them, what are you thinking of? So they, the Kurus, they said, well, I'm seeing, what are you seeing here? They had to shoot a fish or a bird, 
Of course, they're warriors, they have to do these things. So they're saying, I'm seeing the tree, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing that. Or, so what, when Arjuna was asked, he said, I'm only seeing the eye of that. that. So obviously, he was pretty good at concentrating. He was the most famous archer. But he's representing that he's saying, my mind is flickering, chanchalami manakrishna. Balabha, very strong. Vaya means the wind. It, to control my mind is uh, harder than controlling the wind, which of course anybody who's tried to go out and control the wind and maybe on a hurricane day you can try that. There's a lot of it there. Um, so Krishna and Arjuna, they have so many colorful ways of playing. Um, the greatest offense is to deny the existence of the Lord as separate from the individual souls or accept the Lord and the individual soul as one and the same. The impersonalists misinterpret the theory of reflection and thus they wrongly accept the individual consciousness as the supreme consciousness. The theory of reflection of the supreme can be clearly understood without difficulty by any sincere common man. When there is a reflection of the sky on the water, the sky and both the sky and the stars are seen within the water, but it is understood that the sky and the stars are not accepted on the same level. The stars are part of the sky, therefore, it cannot be equal to the whole. The sky is the whole and the stars are parts. They cannot be one and the same. Transcendentalists who do not accept the Supreme Consciousness, though of course Vaishnavas have so many arguments about this bird, the green bird in the tree, he's still the green bird, although you may not notice it. There's a big forest, there's so many parrots, and if you look, you don't notice any parrots. Then suddenly something happens, it's thunder, and all the birds start flying. Oh, well. So many birds. Even today, even other, it happens all the time. Uh, you may see something. Uh, I, it looks like a person, but actually, then it doesn't move. It's just a piece of wood or some fence post from a long distance. So there's so much illusion. Uh, as mentioned right in the first part of the Bhagavatam, uh, what does it say? Tejo, Vadi Madam, Nitavanimaya, so, in the material world, you might see on the road, it looks like there's water. And you're driving, you say, wow, that looks like water right on the road. It must have rained. No, just a reflection. <laughs> Sometimes on the, on the ocean, the sailors, they're lost. And they say, oh, look, look, it's land, land. No, no land there. It's just, it's just maybe a cloud or just a, nothing there. So poor guys are lost. Imagine how many people have drowned over the past so many billion years in the ocean. So due to illusion, uh, or a deer is running after the water and there's a mirage in the desert. Okay. Uh, such offenders cannot actually see uh, the lotus feet of the Lord within themselves, nor are they even able to see the devotees of the Lord. So when we say Shastra Chakshu, Chakshu refers to eyes, eyes. Here we have the word Laksha, also has a kind of Aksha, eyes. Uh, so <clears throat> with eyes we can see, by Krishna's grace we can see anything. But um, if Krishna doesn't want us to see, we will see absolutely nothing. We can go blind. Without the sun, that's Chakshadesha. 
he is the eye of Krishna, as described in the Brahma Samhita. Then we can see he's giving the light. Um, yeah, within themselves, nor are they able to see the devotees of the Lord. Though in Gita, there's, there's references about that. Uh, mudha, nanupasyanti, the mudha, avajanati mamu, amanasantana. Those who are mudhas, they cannot see Krishna. They can't see how someone leaves their body. Utkramantam stitam bhakti, bunjana bhaganam vitam. Mudha nanupasyanti, pasyanti. Those who are Ganachakshi, they see with knowledge. Just like any, anybody, um, like in art, there's one, there's so many aphorisms. Huh? You should not draw what you see, but draw what you know. Of course we draw what we see, but you know, the new person, when he's drawing a figure or something, anything, a tree, he's looking at the tree, he sees a stick like that, but actually someone who knows, he's already seeing, knows that, oh wait, the trees have so many bumps in them and bark and the leaves are going, they're not just as stiff like when a child does it. A doctor, he's looking just like we're looking at somebody, we don't know anything, but he's seeing some expert Ayurvedic doctor. Um, so the guru is like that, Nidanavit. He can see what's wrong, like Prabhupada, Srila Bhakti Sanatha, immediately engaged. When Prabhupada came before Srila Bhakti Sanatha with his friend, um, they were bowing down immediately without even lifting the heads. Srila Bhakti Sanatha saw them. You're educated. And well, he's seen his Prabhupada's friend before, but so he spoke to him. But just by seeing, he knows. That's Jnana Chakshu. So this began also. You are educated, you should go preach. Still, Prabhupada had some discussion uh, that what we can preach, India is a weak place and you know, nobody is respecting you know, Bhakti. No, this cannot wait. You're uh, nonsense, uh, liberation, so-called Gandhi movement. You're not interested in that at all. And also, the fighting when uh, Subhas Chandra Bose came to Bhakti Sanatha to say, we have so many men in your why you making them sadhu. We need soldiers to liberate India. He said, no, but they're all weak sadhus. Don't pick on them. Don't put your, Prabhupada said, don't put your glance where he said, Don't go, <laughs> Bhakti Shanatha said, don't glance at them. They're just sadhus. They're eating some little thing. They're not. And so, <clears throat> this is Ganavigana Nashanam. Uh, their, their consciousness is destroyed, their uh, gan and vigyan, described in Bhagavad Gita. Mudha nanopasyante pasyante. Their mudha, they cannot see. This is described. They're seeing bahir artamanina. They're only seeing value in external things. Bahir. Antar and bahir. Antar, bahir. Someone whose intelligence described also in, in the 13th chapter of the Gita in some places, he sees externally inside, he sees Krishna everywhere. Yetu sarvani karmani, very, it's mentioned here at a distance, but he's distant and he's very close. Krishna's very far away uh, and he's within, right within you. Upadrasht anumantacha, 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, that verse is there, Upadrashta, he's overseeing and he's antar, he's within. Uh, and he's permitting. Um, okay, I better read this. Um, the offenders, however, lose the chance. Mm. Uh, let's 
So at first it said the devotees of the Lord are so kind they roam to all places to enlighten people in God consciousness. So Prabhupada is actually referring, I think the one first verse, second verse, Janasya Krishna Bhimukasya Daivad in this chapter. There's such a good verse uh, that Vidura is speaking. Janasya Krishna Vimukasya Daivad Daivad by some misfortune their wandering, uh, rather the materialists, their vimukasya, they've turned away from Krishna in this material world. Janasya Krishna, vimukasya daiva. And what happens? Adharma shilasya sudhukitasya. They're not doing even dharma, they're doing adharma. Adharma shilasya. And what happens? Sudhukitasya. Here the devotees are enjoying with Krishna, uh, just like Krishna's eating, patimukasya. We're decorating Krishna, we're, everybody's running into the temple to see how beautiful. <clears throat> Krishna's been decorated, not us. Why do we want to see Krishna? Ah, so much pleasure is there. Yeah, Prahlad Maharaj says, this is also the reflection, just like one sees a reflection of his face, as reflection where it came here. So, uh, in Prahlad's prayers he's saying, Tachatmane Patimukashya Yathamukha. Krishna doesn't need anything. But still, if you give something to him, you're getting the benefit. We're not trying to enjoy. We are trying to enjoy material things, but the devotees, their, their enjoyment is much higher. Prahlad Maharaj says, Sadapno uh, Tihaya. Do come. As one verse. As soon as you try to enjoy and create some pleasure artificially away from Krishna, then your misery starts. Sukhaya Dukha Moksha. There's so many verses described. Prabhupada refers to Shaiva Hetu Prayatetiko. Those who are Kovido, the devotees are very intelligent, very learned. They don't try for anything. So Prabhupada's going to bring up some great examples um, which. We should study over and over and a million times. Especially, uh, I just read the hunter story. Prabhupada's going to refer to that here. It says, they lose a chance to receive. Although the offenseless common man is at once influenced by the devotee's presence. In this connection, there is an interesting story of a hunter and Devarshi Narada, a hunter in the forest, although a great sinner was not an intentional offender. But when you read the story, um, he was not intentional offender means that he was trained um, to half kill animals. So Nard Muni, he saw some animals in the forest. He saw a rabbit, he saw a boar, he saw a deer. They, and they were half killed and their legs were broken. And they were struggling in pain and like anything. And so he's thinking, what's going on here? So then he saw the hunter at a distance hiding behind a tree because he's going to shoot some more animals. <laughs> so Nard Muni saw the hunter and he said, oh, my dear sir, like, um, let me see now, you're a hunter, <clears throat> but uh, killer, murderer. And so he said, uh, did you, did you have killed these animals? I see them, they're struggling in so much pain. He said, how come you don't just kill them? And like that, immediately, if you're a hunter. He said, no, no, because in my tradition that we, we like to torture the animals first. Don't mind, you are a sadhu, but 
But he was very attracted to Narada Muni. So the story, why is the story being told? Because it's such an ecstatic thing that um, Mahaprabhu is speaking with, we're reading the, I think, 22nd chapter, but in 24th chapter, there's so much nectar in that, in that you read it over and over whole life, then you think, what did I read now? I, how can there be so much in these uh, verses, in these books? So when I just read that story again, I thought, wow, there's so much there. Um, so Naragundi said, do me one favor, you know, like, don't do that. Just kill those animals and like that. And he said, oh, dear sir, you are, you know, do you want something from me? I can give you some skins, like that. So Naragundi, of course, he doesn't want, he said, no, no, I don't want any skin. If you want to do me one favor, then you stop torturing the animals. But the, you know, and he explained this uh, to the hunter, that uh, these animals, in next life, they're going to come back and they're going to kill you. Even the word mangsa, meat, means mangsa. I'm eating you, you will eat me. But So the hunter, he didn't, he was just ignorant. No, but Nardmuni convinced him to stop, finally convinced him, stop killing these animals. You're going to suffer like anything. You're going to get this simple reaction. He said, oh, wow, I didn't know that. You please. Um, so he said, you do one thing. <clears throat> then he fell down at Nardmuni's feet. Nardmuni said, okay, now you can break your bow. The hunter said, break my bow? Are you serious? I mean, you know, don't get too extreme now. I mean, breaking my bow, how will I live? You know, my wife. He said, you'll, you'll be okay, I'll take care of you. So the, he broke his bow, he's thinking, oh my God, my bow, that's it, finished. It's just like if you are a, uh, I don't know what, violinist and you break your violin or something. And whatever it is, he broke it. And Nardmuni made sure that he got some food and gradually everyone came to respect the hunter. This hunter, Nardmuni, has converted him. Now he's a sadhu. He's a very great sadhu. He became very renounced. He had a Tulsi plant he worshipped. And so much food was coming to him, he couldn't eat it even. So he, had, he requested Narada. Narada said, so everything's all right? After some time, Narada asked him. He said, everything's all right? We have so much food. Please, don't send more food. Don't give us food anymore. It's like, so the sadhu, the actual sadhus like Raghunath Das Goswami, they don't stash food. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going, in the forest, Prabhupada even said that no one should stash food more than this much. Mahaprabhu was walking in Jarikanda, so his servant was keeping some food for the next meal. He said, what are you keeping food? Don't keep any food, no. In the fourth chapter of the Gita, well, there's many verses, but that verse, very nice. Whatever comes of its own accord. You can't get, Narmuni says in the fifth chapter of the first canon to Vyasadeva, you won't be able to get anything. Of course, Vyasadeva doesn't need that instruction. We definitely need that instruction. Even if you go up to Brahmaloka, you'll only get what you're destined to get. Nothing more, nothing less. Kalena Savatraga Biramasa. In time, everything will come, whether it's small, whether it's big. And we have many stories to show that also. That very kind of fat sage, when Prahlad Maharaj was <clears throat> traveling throughout the universe, never mind just going to South America, 
He said he was traveling throughout the universe and with some of his close associates. They met one sadhu who was doing the Ajagalavritti. Ajagalavritti Ajag means a big python. The python lies in one place and camouflage somehow or other. Something comes by, <laughs> he crushes it, eats it. So, so this sadhu was doing like that and he explained, actually he never spoke with anyone, no one even knew. They might pass him on the road, throw him something to eat. But when he gave his, when he heard the nectar sound of Prahlad Maharaj, then he started to speak how he said, well, yeah, sometimes I'm given something, I put on a beautiful bedstead. I mean, we can't think he did, but in other lives, he's speaking of so many lives going by. And sometimes, Kabu Sudra, Kabu Kudra, Kabu Raja, Kabu Praja, this Jagannanda Pandit saying in his book. That sometimes I'm the king, sometimes I'm a subject, sometimes I'm a tiny, I'm a big shot enjoyer, uh, sometimes I'm a tiny insect. Uh, so the, all the Bhagavatam is teaching us this vairagya, vairagya vijani jabakti yogam. So, uh, so this hunter, as it's described here, he became a very great sadhu in his story. But it's in relation, because in the beginning of the 24th chapter of Madhulila, Artang sung yapakashayan. It says, Atmara meiti padya tarshatangs. Lord Chaitanya, in the first verse, is described. He gives many explanations of the Atmarama verse. Atmarama verse means <clears throat> that Krishna, he attracts even those who may consider themselves uh, detached Atmaramas. They're happy within themselves. They're actually Atmarama taking pleasure because they know there's nothing in the external world but even those persons are uh, attracted to hearing about Krishna just like Sukadev Goswami you read in the second canto he, he heard Parinishti Topi Nairagunya he was beyond the gunas Parinishti Topi Nairagunya Uttama Shloka but when he heard the, he was in the womb of his mother, but Vyasadeva was speaking Bhagavatam and composing Bhagavatam. He was very attractive, but he didn't care even about anything. He was, even the womb, didn't even want to come out of the womb. He was self-satisfied. So, when Lord Chaitanya had spoken with Sarvabhoma, he gave some 18 different meanings. Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was big, big pandit, one of the biggest pandits, incarnation of Brihaspati. So he gave some Seven days speaking with Lord Chaitanya. And Mahabhava didn't say one thing. He was sitting there. He said, what is going on? You understood what I said? Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I understand this uh, Vedanta Sutra and all that. But what you're saying is just flabbing over. It's nothing. He said, okay, but you, tell, you speak. So when he spoke, he gave 18 meetings. And Sarvabhama was astounded. Oh, he's giving so many meetings. So when Sanatha Goswami heard about that, and he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He asked, can you tell me that conversation again? So he said, well, I don't remember anything I said to Sarabhama, but we're like madmen. So, you know, we don't, I don't remember. I was like mad. So you're also, you can say, if I come in contact with you, I may say something. <laughs> so Sanatha Goswami was also like a madman, Krishna. So when he spoke, he gave 64 different, actually he said this unlimited meanings. So Lord Chaitanya is like the uh, 
horizon on which the verse, the Atmarama verse appears, just like the sunrise, Ar, uh, Arka, the sun. So that, most of that chapter is describing, so this hunter story comes in that context. That, uh, because uh, one of the meanings of the uh, Nirgranta can be a hunter, even he can be a self-realized person, he can be a hunter. So, <laughs> if one knows the Sanskrit, he can describe this thing. Okay, so already it's nine o'clock, we haven't, we haven't even all finished the purport yet. But Prabhupada's comparing the hunter to this other story, <clears throat> which every year we hear about Dhamadhar Leela, the beginning of the Dhamadhar Leela is all about Manigriva, Mm, uh, and uh, here it says, Nalakuvera Manigriva, uh, even though living among the demigods, they had to undergo the punishment of becoming trees. Because the hunter became so saintly, he didn't even want to touch an ant, you know, when, when uh, Parvat Muni came with. But here, the Manigriva Nalakuvera, they were going naked. It was very kind of offensive, and Narmuni cursed them, but he gave them the benediction simultaneously. They became these huge, like we've seen the redwood trees or something, but maybe get an idea, these huge trees. Uh, and Krishna dragged his, what is it called, mortar between the trees, and these demigods came out, and they prayed to Krishna. So in one of the verses we're singing Kuviratma Jo Badam Bhakti Tata Prema Bhakti Devotee there, Satyavadmuni, he's praying to become like these uh, two sons of Kuviratma Jo Badam Namokshekahomeshtiamodareha. I don't want any type of impersonal liberation. Manasyavarashtam. Uh, I only want to meditate on the, these pastimes of Krishna. Um, so that's also a long story, and they gave prayers. As you can read in 10th canto, chapter 10, all about the prayers of these demigods. But they were offenders. They have to wait until they receive the mercy. So Narayana gave them the mercy. Due to their offenses or their extreme materialism, they couldn't, they can't see the devotees of the Lord. Engaged in external activities, they kill the internal vision. The Lord's devotees, however, don't mind the offenses of the foolish and their many gross and subtle bodily endeavors. The Lord's devotees continue to bestow the blessings of devotion upon all such offenders without hesitation. And again, back to that verse in the beginning of this chapter, Janashi Krishna Charanti Nunam. They go everywhere, anugraha uh, out of mercy, and they deliver all these fallen persons. Just Guy Vidura is praising uh, Maitreya Muni. Okay, so if we have some comments here. Questions? All right, microphone, please. Uh, in Vedic culture, what was the difference between the sages and the Brahmins? Do sages were uh, automatically Brahmins? The sages what? Were they Brahmins or is there a difference? Uh, there's an overlap. I don't think there's a, a clear, you know, tattoo or brand that you're this or that, but 
You can be a Brahmana sage. <laughs> or like Devarshi Narada, he's a Deva, but he's a Rishi. All the Devas are not Rishis, but some of them are. And Nardmuni is the best of them. So um, a sage might be more outside the Varnashram. He wouldn't be a Brahman. I wasn't there during the height of the Vedic. Theoretically, conceptually, we can say there's overlap. Okay. Prabhu, you said that um, Bhakti Siddhanta uh, wrote a commentary on the Chaitanya Charitamrita as well as. When we Bhakti read it, when we read the commentary of Prabhupada, he's, he's off many times. He mentioned, Srila Bhakti Sandra said this, but many times he doesn't mention, it's still a Srila Bhakti Sandra. He can't constantly be saying. But no. if there's a long part of certain, certain parts, Srila Bhakti Sandra is in Anubhasya. And there's a Pravaha, what is it called? Amrita Pravaha is a Bhasya, is a Bhakti Vinod. And the Anubhasya means following after Bhakti Vinod. So Bhakti Siddhanta was following after his father. And so they his were is called Both those commentaries are included in Prabhupada. They were written in Bengali. I'm sure. Right, okay. So Prabhupada was the first one who translated Chaitanya Charitamrita into English. Uh, probably the others we're not interested in if they did work. I'm sure there's people who want to co compete with Prabhupada. They want to think. Earlier you were saying, um, Something about they mix buffalo milk or they use buffalo. <laughs> what what is it about buffalo milk that? Um, well, there's that one morning walk so, yeah. where, if you want to hear a direct quote from Prabhupada, uh, where the devotees are saying they're talking about collecting cow and Krishna's herding Abhipalyanta. So, but Prabhupada Prabhupada did mention uh, buffaloes and goats. Other animals are mentioned, but what about that or something they said? And Prabhupada said, the buffalo milk should not be taken. <laughs> so, but, what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some, they, they use it. They some, use them for working and like that. But, you know, the buffalo, they don't sweat properly. So, the sweating poison is in the milk. They, they give you energy, but it takes away your brain power. Yes, definitely. One, um, one cow, cow horde guy, he said, he observed that when the buffalo calf gets mixed up with a group of buffalo, it cannot find its mother. But when a cow's calf is lost from, from the flock, it quickly finds the mother. So he says that, that the calf gets more intelligence from the cow's milk, whereas the, the buffalo milk <laughs> makes you dumb, you know, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you, you, you know, right. yeah, you know, it's... We know that, that we spend time in India. <laughs> Anything else? I just remember remembering when we were reading last night about Vaishnava literature, Shilakshtanta. Louder? I can't remember the name of the person. It was some, maybe like Lala Dindu. He came 
Anyway, well, the, I, I have it here. You want to hear that? No, but I'm just saying the, the quote. He, <laughs> it's a he, good story, though, but we don't have time. It's yeah. nine ten. But already. the quote was, "I came to scoff, but I stayed to pray." Like he, he was completely. Yeah, yeah it's a big part of uh, chapter um, seven. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's I'll briefly try to find. It says here, um, Sara Bindu, Sara Dindu, rather Dindu. Babu expressed a common doubt that the language of Puranas reveals them as a modern composition in contrast to the Vedas which are by linguistic analysis appear to be much older. In reply, here's a brilliant Bhakti Saranta Saraswati. In reply, Saraswati Thakur gave the example that a person's body remains the same when he changes his attire, clothes. Similarly, although the Puranas are sometimes lost, and then represented anew in varying forms and idioms suitable to changing circumstance, their fundamental nature remains intact. Hence, to classify the Puranas as modern is as childish as thinking that the sun rises, arises today is new and different from the one you saw yesterday or your great-grandfathers. The Puranas are the oldest Shastras and have no actual appearance or disappearance, indicating Indicating the race course opposite Saradindu's house, Saraswati Thakur gave another analogy. If through the window one sees a jockey uh, and a horse go by very quickly, uh, he would not consider that the moment they crossed his vision is the total span of their existence. He would realize he had only caught one glimpse of them. So we, we know that when you see the movie spool or even digital, they have little frames and add up. Okay. Shimad Bhagavatam ki jai.